0: Today, we're going to be reading beginning in verse 13 down through to the end of the chapter. Colossians 2 and verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through which joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from god If with Christ you have died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. through your spirit, inspiring the Apostle Paul to give us teaching that matters for us even today. Lord, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds. May we hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you are new to us, I too want to greet you. I'm Tim Shorey. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, in our church, there are a few of us who have turns in preaching and it is my opportunity today. And I was thinking about sermons earlier this week and thought about the fact that while it may not be our first impulse to, to think, oh, the sermon is the best part of worship, uh, the reality is that it is probably the most important part of worship. Uh, because as we worship in other ways, in many ways, we are talking to God through song, through uh, prayer, and so forth. But in the sermon, God in a very particular way and specific and focused way is talking to us. Uh, And we are those who need to hear from God. And it's amazing to me That God has chosen to communicate His truth through fallible human beings like me. That there is this opportunity for me to do this is a privilege beyond words and a responsibility that we all take seriously. So as we open up God's Word today, I do want us to take a look at the text that was just read in your hearing. And our focus is going to be on verses 16 through 23. And as we look at this text, as I have tried this week to, to come up with a summary of this text, I, here's, here's what I, how I would summarize it. Since we are forgiven in Christ... Since we are forgiven in Christ, we must reject any guilt that others put on us for violating rules that God either has not made or no longer requires. That's a mouthful, but it is Colossians 2, verses 16 through 23. Since we are forgiven in Christ, We must reject any guilt that others put on us for violating rules that God either has not made or no longer requires. It it is the way of this world to invent new religions and new spiritualities and cultural rules and man-made conditions and rituals and meditations and obligations. Things that God has not commanded and does not require. And Paul is teaching us here that since we are forgiven in Christ, We must resist and we must reject all the guilt that others may impose upon us for not keeping their rules. Now Paul is is not saying here that there are no rules for us as Christians. In fact, in chapters 3 and 4, there are at least 30, at least 30 in two chapters, at least 30 virtues and commandments that are given to us from God through Paul. There are rules for us to keep. There are laws for us to obey. But since we are forgiven in Christ, we must and we may reject any guilt that other people put on us for violating rules, either that God has not made, or no longer requires. In other words, my title for today is, you don't have to be a monk. You don't have to be a monk. You don't have to go off to a monastery. You don't have to accept and receive and submit to all kinds of human rules, because you are forgiven and accepted and justified and loved and approved in Christ already. Let's look at the text. It is a wonderful text, even though at first reading it may seem a little strange to our eyes and to our ears. And I need windshield wipers for my glasses here. Excuse me a second. It's warm up here. I don't know if it is where you are, but it's warm here. So Let's start with verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a fest. One, two, three, four. Five fans within 10 feet of me. Uh, here we go. There we go. Excuse me for a minute as <laughs> I cool down. All right. Maybe we should start over. Verse 16: "Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. Notice how that verse begins, therefore, since. In other words, since verses 13-15 through 15 are true, and all that has come before throughout this letter, since they are all true, don't let anyone judge you For not measuring up to old rules and old regulations and old dietary codes and so-called holy day observances. Notice verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. See the logic. See the flow of the argument. God has made you alive in Christ. God has forgiven you. If you are a believer in Jesus, God has forgiven all your trespasses. God has canceled all your debt, nailing it to the cross. There is nothing more for you to do or pray or pay or suffer. God has publicly shamed and defeated all those rulers and authorities, whether they are human or in the spiritual realm and are demonic. All those who want to accuse you and slander you and rule over you and tyrannize your conscience. God has put them all to shame. God has said, no more. You understand? Right? That one of the greatest weapons that the enemy has against us is guilt and shame. Condemnation. The, the sorrow and agony of a guilty conscience and the fear that it produces. And God has disarmed the enemy. God has taken away any basis whatsoever that the enemy has to accuse us and condemn us. Because in Christ, all our debt and all our guilt have been canceled. So don't let anyone, Paul says, don't let anyone pass judgment on you. Or condemn you and lead you to condemn yourself over ceremonies and food and drink. Now, don't get this wrong. It doesn't mean mean that since we're in Jesus, we can do anything we want. Remember, chapters 3 and 4 are going to tell us very otherwise. Chapters 3 and 4 are going to set over us a very high and lofty standard of life and love and obedience. Don't think that Paul is saying here that the next time somebody comes up to you with encouragement or correction and suggests that perhaps you stop sinning in a certain way in your life, Don't think that Paul is saying that you can say to that person, Hey, stop shaming me. Stop condemning me. No, we need each other to help each other see sin and issues in our life. No, what Paul has in mind here are things that God either no longer requires or never required. Look at the text, verse 16. Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. In other words, with reference, to things that are not moral in and of themselves. What you eat, what you drink, whether or not you observe holy days and feast days or new moons and Sabbath. Most of these probably in Paul's mind were referring back to the Old Testament laws that existed. That God no longer requires ceremonial laws, dietary rules that were part of the Old Testament but not for us today. And there were people in the days of the New Testament who were coming along and saying, yes, Jesus is good and Jesus is wonderful, but He's not enough. Yes, Jesus died for you. But now, you've got to make sure you keep on keeping these rules. And you keep on keeping these laws. Because if you don't, you're going to be disqualified. If you don't, You are not going to be saved if you don't. You will stand under the wrath and the judgment of God. But the reality is, according to verse 17, these things are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. In other words, brothers and sisters in Christ, those, those laws, so many of them in the Old Testament, those ceremonies, those holy days and the like were symbolic. They were foreshadowings of Christ that, that no longer apply to us because the substance has, has come. The shadow, yes, was wonderful. But the substance, the reality, the fulfillment is here and it is now. I I wish that we had time, but it would take several hours to do this, and I won't do that to you. But I wish we had time to unfold this amazing and wonderful truth that the Old Testament is all about Jesus. That the Old Testament is filled with Christ. If you have eyes to see it and and know what to look for, you will find Jesus everywhere in the symbols, the ceremonies, the sacrifices, the tabernacle, the temple, the priesthood, the, the Day of Atonement, the Passover lamb. On and on and on it goes. The Old Testament is full of these foreshadowings of Christ. But what Paul is saying to the Colossians and to us is now that the fulfillment has come, Christ has come, you don't need to keep on observing those rules and those laws. There's no point to it. It would be kind of like if I'm sitting in my living room and Gaylene and I like to sit on the couch as we watch television together and sit and talk. And if I'm sitting there with Gaylene and I pull out my wallet and I pull out a picture and I start looking at the picture and just kind of just kind of staring at the picture, and get lost in the picture. And, and uh, Gayleen says to me, what are you looking at? I said, oh, it's a picture of you. You say, Tim, what are you doing? You've got the real thing sitting right beside you. You've got the fulfillment. You've got the reality. You've, you've got Gaylene right there. What are you doing looking at a picture? But see, that's what a lot of people do with ceremonies and rituals. Instead of looking at the fulfillment who is Christ, the reality who is Christ, they they sit and stare at the rituals. They sit and stare at the ceremonies and get all hung up over that. And Paul is saying to us, don't get caught staring at and observing and keeping things that are but shadows hold on to and firm to the reality. You don't need the Old Testament tabernacle and temple anymore because Jesus indwells us and has made us His temple and He has gone to the eternal temple where we will live forever. You don't, you don't need a great big complicated sacrificial system anymore like in the Old Testament to get fresh atonement every day over your sins because Jesus has died once and for all to atone for your sins for all time and for eternity. You don't need priests and robes anymore because you have the one great high priest you need who is robed in perfect righteousness and who shares that robe with us. You don't need various holy days and ritual cleansings anymore because now in Christ every day is a holy day and every day is a Happy day, and Jesus has washed all your sins away. You don't need the Passover anymore because Jesus is your Passover lamb. You don't need dietary laws to keep your body clean anymore because Jesus has made you clean and has declared all things clean. You don't need a holy place and a most holy place anymore since you are in Christ and Jesus has a Send it up into the most holy place, the very throne room of God Himself. You don't need to do anything or obey anything or get and stay to stay and get right with God because Jesus has done it all. And if you are in Him by faith, your trespasses are forgiven, your debt is canceled, and you, you, are alive in Him. And no power or principality of hell or human being on earth can shake that or change that or alter that. It is secure in Christ. That is the message of this text. Since we are forgiven in Christ... We must reject any guilt that others put on us for violating rules that either God has not made, or no longer requires when it comes to such rules. In other words, don't worry about what anybody thinks. You are secure in Jesus. There's a second imperative warning here in verses 18 and 19. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. Verse 18 presents another warning, another imperative. Don't let anyone disqualify you. Don't let anyone judge you. Don't let anyone, I think we can accurately say based on the word Paul uses, don't let anyone cancel you. Don't let them cancel you by insisting on asceticism and worship of angels and going on in detail about visions and and puffed up without reason. Look down at verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You see, what people will do, religions will do this, Cultures will do this. Communities will do this. They will create their own rules. And those rules appear to be wise. They appear to be good. They appear to make sense. And then they impose them on you and on me. You've got to do this, or you've got to think this way, or you've got to do this other thing, if indeed you were going to be virtuous, if indeed you were going to be a good person, if indeed you were going to be right with God. And all of it is man-made religion, and it is worthless, Paul says. It is worthless self-made and man-made rules and regulations that seem holy and good and enlightened are not holy and they are not good and they are not enlightened. How in the world can you possibly be any more enlightened than God and His Word? So, if somebody comes up to you this week with some kind of rule or obligation that is not in this book right here, and tells you, you need to do this or else, then stand your ground and do not cave. It will not make you holy. And it is of no value, Paul says. It is of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You will not be any more holy because you didn't eat that hamburger this week, with cheese. You, you will not be any less holy if you have a milkshake with your hamburger. Holiness is not measured by what you eat, or what you drink, or what you wear, or what you put on. It's not measured by conforming to human standards. Obviously, Scripture says things about how much we eat and uh, making sure that what we wear is modest. And there's all kinds of rules in that way from God. But we are not to go beyond what God says just because we think it makes sense. And let me go even further on this. When, in fact, we try to be monks, When, in fact, we try to create and make rules about what we eat or drink or the rest, we actually insult God, who made these things for us to enjoy. The text, the text in First Timothy chapter four came to mind as I was reflecting on this. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1, Paul writes, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Listen. Who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the Word of God and prayer." Did you realize that eating was an act of worship? I heard an amen on that one. D- did you realize? Did you realize that God has made all that He has made? He has created all that He has created. Food and drink and sport and music and art. Games and laughter and beauty, everything in this world, God has created for us to receive with thanksgiving and to enjoy and make it holy by the Word of God in prayer. So those it's been a long time since I've said this, but when I sit down to a piece of my wife's homemade pie, it is an act of worship. I am thanking God for Galen. I am thanking God for apples. I am thanking God for the lots of sugar that goes into the pie. I am thanking God for it. God, thank You. My Father in heaven, thank You. You have given this to me to enjoy. Thank You for Your kindness. Thank You for Your goodness. What an amazing God You are to give us these things for our Enjoyment. Brothers and sisters in Christ, those who come along and say to you, don't touch this. Don't handle this. Don't eat this. Don't taste this. Don't do this. Don't do that. If it's not in the Word of God, if it's not in sacred Scripture, I was going to say, tell them to get lost. That may be a little harsh, but, but just walk away. Do not let them judge you and disqualify you over things that God has actually made for our enjoyment. Now, the problem with people who come up with all kinds of man-made rules, who insist on keeping rules that God no longer requires, is that they have lost their grip on Christ. Did you notice the key phrase in verses 18 and 19? Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head that is to Christ. From whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. You see, rule keeping and rule commanding people have lost their grip on Christ. They are not holding on and holding fast to Him. They have loosened their hold on who Christ is and what He has done for us. They have failed to grasp and then to keep on grasping that Christ is the One who has canceled our guilt and our debt. They In policing themselves and policing others and making sure that we do this and do that so that we can be right with God, they are loosening their hold on the Gospel. Christ has done it all. Can I say this as your brother in the Lord? We need to stop. I'm turning this around now. Paul's words are written to us, warning us about letting others judge us and disqualify us. Can I turn it around and say, brothers and sisters, let's stop judging and disqualifying each other. Let's stop policing each other. That's what was going on in the early church and it goes on all the time today about matters that God has not commanded or made clear. There will always be somebody ready to police somebody else. There are the diet police. There are the politics police. There are the voting police. There are the vaccine police. There are the mask police. Brothers and sisters, let's mind our own business. And let God work as He chooses to work in each heart. Let no one disqualify you. Let no one judge you for the choices that you're making, so long as those choices fall within the boundaries of the moral law of God that abides forever and forever. I am I'm not much of an Olympics guy, for whatever the reason, I have never watched much of the Olympics. But if there was anything that I would have watched this year, it would have been Simone Biles in her competition. In all my years of watching sports and appreciating skill and beauty and the rest, I I think she is the most incredible athlete I have ever seen. For skill set, degree of difficulty, degree of danger, stress and strain on the body, complete physical self-control, sheer artistic beauty. Consistent excellence. She pulls it all together in, in one very little body, but it's amazing, just amazing. Never seen anything like it. I commend her for her choices this week that she made in behalf of her own health and well-being. She withdrew and with good reason. It would've been very different though, wouldn't it, if somebody had come along at the last minute and said to Simone, oh, by the way, uh, we're adding a few rules to this. Um, On the uneven bars, you can only do it with one hand. On the vault, uh, you can't sprint. You have to walk and somehow create that kind of elevation. You, can't, you, you have to do the balance beam, blindfolded. If somebody came along and said, oh, we're adding a few rules, and because you didn't keep the rules, you are disqualified, uh, we would well be up in arms all over the planet, right over the injustice of it all. And yet, that's what people try to do to us as followers of Christ. Jesus has done it all, but there's always somebody who wants to come along and add a new rule, change the rules, make it more difficult. My illustration breaks down. Uh, Simone Biles can rightly, legitimately say, uh, I've done what I've done and accomplished what I've accomplished because I'm... I've kept the rules, and I've worked harder than anybody else, and I, I did this. Uh, you and I can't do that, with, can we, with God? It's not as if somebody comes with a rule and says, oh, no, 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 no. We've already obeyed all the rules. We're good. No. Um, when somebody comes to us with their rules, what they are saying is that Jesus didn't do enough. You see, we're accepted. We are qualified for heaven. We are qualified for glory. We are qualified for the presence of God. We are qualified for an eternal reward because Jesus has done it all. And so this week, brothers and sisters in Christ, you who love Jesus, are trusting Him as your Savior and Lord, don't let anyone judge you for things that they think are wrong, but the Bible does not say. And don't let anyone disqualify you. Besides, they can't disqualify you. You're already qualified. You're already in. You're already His. Don't let anyone take that away from you emotionally and spiritually. He is yours. All I have and all I need is Christ. He is the cornerstone on which all else rests. So this week, will we you live in the confidence, in the boldness, in the assurance of the gospel. I pray that God will give you grace to do that. Let's pray now. Our Father in heaven, Would the glory of this gospel that is free, that is complete, that is everlasting, may the glory of this gospel sink deeply into our hearts. May we hear the glory of it. See the glory of it. And then live in the glory of it this week. Not so that we will become complacent in obeying Your law, but so that we will be confident in Christ. And Father, if there's anyone here who has never trusted Jesus personally, genuinely, Would you please open their heart right now and give them the gift of faith that they might own their sins, repent of their sins, trust in Jesus, and have the debt for their sins canceled once and for all time. May that happen in hearts here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.